Hey, Big Boxers. Welcome to On The Shelf, a program that is dedicated to helping you get your products into a major big box retailer. Tim here with you. And here today is the day after Thanksgiving. So I know that this may not air the day after Thanksgiving, but I just wanted to wish all of you a very happy holiday season. And I hope that your Thanksgiving was awesome. I hope that you guys had a chance to eat some great food, spend some time with family, and spend some time with some great friends. Here at the Bush household, it was low-key, but great food, great family. We just had a really relaxing day. So I'm uh, excited to be in front of the mic. I know that my podcasts have been somewhat inconsistent, but that's okay. It's because I want to make sure that when we bring you a podcast, it means something, says something, and will be useful to you in some specific way. Coming up, we have a conversation with a gentleman named Tebow. That's right, Tebow Clement. And he is the CEO co-founder of the company Loomly. That's loomly.com. And uh, all those URLs will be in the show notes, so not to worry. I asked Tebow this simple question before we started recording, because this has been coming up quite a bit with clients of mine. And what I asked was, hey, if you find yourself online on Amazon and all of a sudden your sales are getting crushed, you have hijackers, your listing gets inactivated, or the competition for holiday just gets too much and all of a sudden you're doing way less sales than you're accustomed to. What now? I really feel like we're paralyzed. Hey, if our Amazon business is not working, what do we do? What's going to happen? Where are we going? And I put that question to Tebow because he's an expert in how to make money on social media, using Facebook, using Instagram, even using WhatsApp and your own website, Shopify. So there's other ways, big boxers, that you can be making money online other than Amazon. I know that's hard to imagine, but that's what we're going to talk about. So I'm super excited to have uh, Tebow on the show. So without any further ado, let's get right into it. All right. Hey, Tebow, thanks and, uh, for being here on the shelf. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me, Tim. It's a pleasure. So did I say that right? Tebow, right? Yeah, you got it right. Absolutely. All right. So the name is spelled T-H-I-B-A-U-D. And uh, I had to write it down on my paper after you told me as T-Bow, just so I wouldn't screw it up at doesn't seem like it'd be easy to screw up, but I'm sure that I could. If anybody could screw it up, it would be me. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Tivo, so before we get into questions and this and that and, and whatever it is we're going to talk about today, tell me a little bit about you. Tell me a little bit about Loomly. You're the CFO of Loomly.com. I've been on that website. It looks super interesting to me. So, I'm interested a little bit about you and then what you do, and then we'll get into the hard-hitting questions. Yeah. Well, Loomly, you know, it's an interesting story right from the start usually, is that my partner is my spouse, Noemi. We've been working together for eight years. And Loomly is actually the fourth company that we're building together. And Loomly was born from a pain point that we had in a previous company that we were managing, the two of us, which was an advertising agency. And we were basically helping you know, a very broad range of clients from you know, L'Oreal, the big cosmetic company for whom we were managing five brands, uh, all the way to startups that were more looking for, I would say, growth acceleration. And for all of those clients, we had this internal process that was, let's say, under-optimized 
which was based on Excel and where we had to come up and manage what we call editorial plannings. So you can just imagine like a spreadsheet with a list of Facebook posts and blog posts and dates and copy and image. And you had to basically come up with a plan for the clients and send all of that back and forth over email. And that was just, you know, a terrible mess. It was time consuming, error prone, and it was just very repetitive. So we decided to basically build a tool to streamline things for us internally. And that's what we did back in the summer of 2015. I'm not an engineer. I just learned everything on my own. And by the end of the year, we had a prototype up and running. And basically, we tried it with our clients. We did not tell them it was our own product because we wanted some honest feedback. And they loved it. So we basically decided to open it up to other people. And that's how basically things got out of hand. It was this very simple utility tool where we were just like, you know, uploading posts and images and copy and, and sending to our clients for approval. And now it has evolved into this full-fledged brand success platform where basically marketing teams can come together and manage their assets, create posts, get them reviewed, publish them on social media, and even post them with advertising. And of course, respond to comments that they receive and also measure the success. So I would say a big evolution. And from this very small prototype, you know, that I basically built not in my garage, but in my living room, it has evolved into a a pretty cool company. And and now we are serving over 4,000 clients around the world. So pretty fun story. Right. Well, uh, necessity, right? Mother of invention, always. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And it's fun to think about, you know, how we've been breathing and fueling the development of the company from this initial pain point. And now we, we are basically keep doing the same thing because we speak with all of our customers every day. I would say about 100 of them. And they tell us what they need and how we can improve the product and how we can fix it sometimes. And that's how we keep refining it so that we don't build something they don't want. Right. Tell me about Loomly. Does that have any significance, the name? Yeah, um, actually, you know, one of the things that Loomly does is that it actually guides you into creating posts. And a loom is basically, you know, this tool that you use to be guided when you weave some fabric. So it's basically the same idea. Loomly is like your loom for social media content. I know that I learned back in high school looms, and but I'm not sure that, you know, if we take 10, 16-year-old kids on the street today and say, hey, do you know what a loom is? They probably think it's a bird of some sort, I would think. But <laughs> That's a good one. But that's very cool. So tell me a little bit about you and where you came from and how you started this many companies and what was your evolution? That's a long story, but basically, you know, I'm French. You may tell from my accent and also what? from yeah. my name, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm French and I went to business school. I worked for a couple of, you know, big companies like L'Oreal and Lexmark and Schneider Electric. And I just figured it was not really for me. And then I did my MBA in Canada where I met the guys at, at Shopify, uh, which is now, you know, like very, very nice and successful companies. Back then they were just 40, 40 employees. And so I just figured, you know, startups is what I like. I was very interested in e-commerce. And so from that experience, it basically sparked the, a pretty crazy idea where Noemi and I, so Noemi is, is my spouse, as I mentioned, we basically traveled around the world for a year and we studied e-commerce by basically interviewing entrepreneurs who were, you know, either building e-commerce websites or building brands or having some kind of link with e-commerce in one way or another. And that was an interesting project because, well, traveling the world, this is a pretty fascinating experience. But also we built our very own first e-commerce business 
it was a very simple candy subscription business. We were buying candy in the places that we were visiting and shipping them around the world as a subscription. So it was a very, I would say, interesting experience because we basically bootstrapped it. And I like to say that we did not even bootstrap it with zero dollars. We actually bootstrapped it with minus $200 because we had no money as, as backpackers. <laughs> and the way we basically bought the first candies is because we had pre-sold the subscriptions. So it was a pretty, uh, I would say, interesting experience. So you guys got that going and already started creating some subscriptions before you even had candy. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the things that I learned when, when I was in Canada because there was this pretty uh, inspiring entrepreneur called Bruce Firestone, who basically was the guy who brought the senator's NHL license to the town. And he was a specialist of all these things, of how you can basically bootstrap a business when you don't have capital. And that was just like, you know, for me, that just blew my mind. I was just a French guy coming from a small town in France. And I met this guy who explained me how he basically pre-sold tickets and raised $150 million to buy an NHL license. And I was like, what? That's just insane. And so I figured if he can do it with $150 million, you know, maybe I can do it with a couple of thousand dollars. And so that's what gave us the idea. Wow. To actually start a business. Yeah, that's crazy. So you grew up in France though. Not in yes. Quebec, in, in Canada. No, France. Okay. Right. And so, yeah. And so when you were growing up in France, what was it you wanted to do when you were a kid? Like when you think about, man, I want to be this when I grow up. Was it an e-commerce entrepreneur? I would say mainly an entrepreneur. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't know what, I didn't know which field, but I, I knew I had this drive to just, you know, start something from scratch and see how we can fit, you know, all the pieces together and just uh, build something. So that's what I wanted to do. I didn't really know in which direction until actually I went to Canada and, and I met uh, with the guys at Shopify that basically gave me all these, these ideas about, you know, all these opportunities that were opening up online. Wow. Okay. When did you leave France? I left France to go to Canada. It was in 2010. And then we went around the world in 2011 and 12. And then we came back to France for about 18 months. And now we've been in the U.S. since 2014. Wow. Okay. Now you currently live, you don't have to tell us your address or anything, but what state do you live in? We are in California. We are in Los Angeles. I would say sunny Los Angeles, but like particularly today, it's just raining. It's pretty, pretty yeah. Yeah, no, I grew up in California. All my family's there. So we keep getting pictures of rainy weather, which, you know, it's not like California can't use a little rain, right? That's not a bad thing. What do you think the biggest difference between France and the U.S. is in terms of living? That's a a good question because I've been, you know, now living here for a while. So, but one thing I love here is that, you know, how everyone is always very enthusiastic about, you know, trying new things. And I see new services every day and I'm like, yeah, that's super interesting that consumers are willing to try uh, this or that. While sometimes in France, you know, things take a bit more time to take off and Maybe when something is a big trend in the U.S., then it comes in, in France and then people are, are happy about it. But I, I'm pretty fascinated how the fact that everyone is so open-minded actually, for me, fosters innovation also from companies. And that's pretty fascinating to me. I think you're right. I think it's super interesting that, you know, if you have a thought, if you have an idea, if you're thinking about something, all you have to do these days is take action on it and build it. And then literally people will jump on board. Not everything is an immediate success or not everything is a success in general, but the opportunity is there. 
for yeah, it to be. I agree. That's really something that is a stark difference and something that I, I love in this country where there are opportunities and you can create your own opportunities. And I mean, I came to this country just a few years ago and I'm just, I'm still fascinated how fast things can go. And don't get me wrong, I, I love France. And what I love about France is that, you know, people have a very developed critical thinking, which is very good. I mean, it's great because it helps go deep into many things, but also sometimes it's also putting the brakes on something that maybe were meant to become bigger. And, and I think that's kind of finding the right balance. But at the moment, like, I love the US. Couldn't, yeah. I couldn't say No, I wasn't taking it the other way. You know, I think uh, it's really apparent in streaming there's all these shows that people put together that nobody ever wanted to watch. No networks would pick up. But then all of a sudden, Netflix decides, you know what, I'm going to take all these shows and I'm just going to throw them on my platform. And then all of a sudden, there's an eight show series and people are like, we need more, we need more. Like, and they catch on, which to me just blew my mind is all you have to do is give people access to it and they'll tell you whether it's good or not good. Yeah, exactly. You know, and they will either they will tell you like with actual words or they will tell you with what to do. And that's something that you can learn from the data, you know, and Netflix knows also from the data what kind of shows people are going to like. And they can also predict things. And I think it's interesting because it's we are moving kind of away from this blockbuster system where everyone had to watch the same thing and where you are having this kind of long tail offering where you can watch more and more different things that maybe are a better fit for you. So yes, I find this very interesting. Yeah. And then people ask, you know, I get these all across my feed all the time. Hey, what's anybody binging right now? I need something. And then everybody throws out there what they're currently watching. And it gives that person like 30 different opportunities to go figure out what might be interesting for them. Yeah, that's true. And like, honestly, in my circle of friends, it looks like you know, the question, what are you watching these days or what are you streaming these days has basically replaced talking about the weather. So it's, what are you it's doing? actually... Yeah, replace what are you doing? It's all, what are you binging? Yeah, what are you watching? Exactly. Because, yeah. uh, and now that we can go through shows so fast, you know, the appetite is just getting ginormous. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, we could talk about binge watching all day long on Netflix, but what I do, so I have a business, it's called TLB Consulting. I'm also, this is my podcast, as you know, and companies come to me when they want to get into big box retail with their products. And I have built a following companies that are on Amazon that are looking to diversify into retail. And one of the things that currently is a little bit of an epidemic is that people's sales that were once $100,000 a month are just plummeting on Amazon to like $20,000 a month, $15,000 a month because of one main reason, hijackers, counterfeiters, People are just throwing products on Amazon and they can throw them up there for two, three dollars because they're not, the quality is not good and it's siphoning off all these sales. Now, that is one of the problems. The other problem that I'm hoping that you can help us with is because of Amazon, people have forgotten how to sell their own product, right? They think, oh my gosh, my sales on Amazon have tanked. What do I do? My business is over. And based on, I was looking at what you do and I was hoping maybe you could provide some opportunity or even some guidance as to, hey, how do you, you know, Nike just took or they're in the process of taking their products off Amazon. Now, of course, not all of us can be Nike and have our own platforms and all of this, but I think there's something to be said that you can use social media in your own website to start selling your own products again. Yeah, I agree. And this question alone has sparked like many, many ideas, but so... It's funny first that you mentioned Nike taking off the products from Amazon because this is, you know, beyond like the symbol or anything. 
to me, it's basically illustrating a trend that we are observing where we have a vertical integration of many players. We knew some pure players uh, like the digital brands, and we know these guys, and they were basically you know, selling only online. You can think about, for instance, Everlane. What these guys are doing is that they are also selling offline. They are opening stores and things like that. So it's really interesting to see that you know, on the one hand, we have the digital guys who are going physical. On the other hand, we have Nike, which was basically you know, a product manufacturer. They had their own store, but they were also distributing through many other channels. And what we see now is, one, they are cutting off their distribution from big distributor. But two, the other thing that they're doing is that they seem to be inspired by the digital brands because now they are even offering their own subscription and they want to go direct to the consumer. So it's interesting that, you know, when we look at these two very different kinds of profiles, digital native brands and a very big international company that, that used to have tons of retailers, they're basically kind of converging into being a vertically integrated brand. And to me, what is important and what we see that is a common to both of these phenomena is that the brand is basically becoming more and more important because we are now, and I think that's what you were essentially saying about Amazon. Amazon is slowly but surely commoditizing pretty much everything. You want something like you can have the real thing on Amazon, you can have the fake thing, you can basically have everything on Amazon and it will be like delivered to your door in like a day or two. So what's interesting is that one way to differentiate between, you know, these commoditized products is basically to build a brand so that people don't choose one product over the other just because of price, but also because, you know, they understand your brand, they understand what you are saying, and basically your values align with them and resonate with them. And I think that in this era where competition is always one click away, and that's literally true on Amazon, sometimes not even a click because, you know, the competitive product is basically on the same page. Exactly. Um, I think that building a brand is one of the best ways to basically build defensiveness for your company, for your product, and therefore to create value for you. So that's my second comment. And one last thing that I, I think is very, very interesting is that Amazon, you know, is the big guy and they have changed e-commerce like anyone before, right? they have basically pioneered this form of commerce and they have done more for this industry than, than anyone else. What's interesting is that I'm seeing now two big contenders who are approaching things in a very different way that I find honestly fascinating. One is, is my friends at Shopify, as I mentioned, because you know, they recently announced that they were going to invest a billion dollars into fulfillment operations, basically allowing their customers in the US and Canada to to offer two-day shipping in the US and Canada. And that's a big change because maybe small guys, small businesses were not able to compete with Amazon because of that, or they were captive from Amazon because of that, because they were dependent and relying on, on the fulfillment of Amazon. But now they can, you know, maybe build their own store. And again, we come back to building their own brand and basically controlling their distribution channel. So I think that Shopify is an interesting alternative to Amazon and or maybe just you know a complement to Amazon and, and something that can work with Amazon. That's one. And two, the other contender who is I think pretty interesting and, and I think that everyone should pay attention to is basically Facebook. Noemi and I, we were at F8 2019 earlier this year. And it was very, very, very clear that Facebook had a big interest in commerce. So you know they are talking about 
checkout on Instagram. They are talking about catalog and payments on WhatsApp, which basically means what you could call headless commerce. You don't need to build a store. You just have WhatsApp, you list your products, you sell them, people pay you. You can do the support and everything on WhatsApp without ever building a store. Pretty interesting. And even on, on Facebook, the actual Facebook platform, they are basically you know, saying, hey, we are going to allow you to buy stuff during or to place orders during live shows. So basically, they are opening up their own QVC, if you think about it. That's pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> right. And not even talking about the, what they do on the marketplace side, where basically they are uh, competing with eBay or in some way with Amazon. So to me, it's very clear that you know, Facebook is serious about it. Many things are converging there. But what is the most interesting part to me, because again, I come from the advertising background, is that by allowing transactions on their platform, now, you know, Facebook is basically offering something very unique to brands because they have the audience, they have the ability to connect brands with the audiences through ads. And now people can list products and can sell them and users can do all of that without ever leaving the platform or opening up their wallets. So I think that, you know, what is going to happen in 2020 with Facebook is going to be pretty interesting and we should probably keep an eye on it. Hey, big boxers, just a quick announcement from TLB Consulting. Are you looking to scale your business this year? Are you looking to get your products on the shelf of a retailer this year? Well, guess what? Booking a coaching call with me has never been easier. I know based on the past 10 years of working with clients that it can be difficult to be a solopreneur. It can be difficult to scale your business into territory that you've never been to. That's why I have opened up more slots this year than I've ever done before. One of my goals this year is to work with more clients, more solopreneurs, more big boxers looking to get their products into retail than ever before. I wanna work directly with you and share my experiences over the last 25 years of getting products into retail. I wanna share those experiences with you. I wanna talk to you from a place of somebody who's been there and I wanna help you get to where I've gone. Like I said, it's never been easier. All you have to do is go to tlbconsulting.com, click on consulting and then choose the time or the bundle that you want and get it scheduled. Let's kick off 2020 with a bang. Let's get you the information that you need. I'm looking forward to meeting you. So tell me a little bit of then, I mean, I like all of that. Some of that I knew, some of it I didn't know, but the old issue always remains. So on Amazon, I can put my product on there. They're sponsored ads. You know, once I start winning the buy box, if I figure out a couple of things, the audience is already there. But what about if my audience on Facebook is not there yet? How can I? So let's just use, let's play a scenario. You know, yeah. I have a product. It's a single product. I sell it in two colors on Amazon. I'm doing 150000 a month in July. Now I'm down to twenty grand a month. So I do have a decent following on Facebook. How do I use that audience and build it to replace the money I'm losing on Amazon? 
Well, yeah, there are a couple of things that you can probably do. And some of the things that you can do are, first, if you already have a following, you can talk to them. You know, you can uh, not only just push the product, but maybe, you know, you can create some content uh, explaining how to use the product, what they can make out of it, and, you know, how basically the, the product will benefit to them. So that's probably one thing that you can do is basically, you know, leverage Facebook as a content platform, as a media, to basically build value present use cases and show customer success around your products. And that's something, you know, that is interesting. And I find more, I would say, advanced than, for instance, on Amazon, where you have a product listing. That's one thing. The other thing that you mentioned, I think is very interesting. It's what if my audience isn't there? I think that the audience is there because they basically have everyone, right? And, and if they don't have them with Facebook, they have them with Instagram. And if they don't have them with Instagram, they have them with, with WhatsApp. What's interesting, I think on Facebook, the question is not really, is my audience there? It's more, how do I find them and how do I reach them? How do you find them? It's pretty easy in in the sense that it's Facebook's business to connect you with them. They have one of the most advanced targeting system in the world. It's pretty insane. There are many interesting things that you can do with that. You can maybe target people based on what they like. Do they like a product? Or even better, do they like a product that works with your product and where you can explain, hey, these two things work very well together. And you can also target people by life moment because Facebook is able to basically tell you, do you want to talk to people who are getting married or buying a house or changing car or being pregnant? And so this helps you to actually target your message in a way that makes sense. to. So you can target by life moment? Yeah, exactly. You know, that is interesting because you start to put a foot into what you could call contextual advertising, where basically you're not just like saying, hey, buy my product, buy my product, buy my product. It's, it's more like, hey, you are going through this or that, or you are having this pain point, and I think that you know, the product can solve it for you. So it's basically flipping the way you tell the story on its head. So that's one thing. The other thing is how you reach them. So how you reach them, you can do it organically. And so that comes back to building great content so that they will engage with you and follow your page. And so that's one thing. Or you can do it with ads. And basically with ads, what's interesting is that you can craft your message and basically leverage everything I just mentioned in terms of targeting to create micro-targeted ads where people will basically receive ads that make sense to them. And I think that's the beauty of it. I know that Facebook sometimes gets criticized for that, but I think that when used right and with the right intention, I still think it's an interesting tool for business owners. Do you think that people on Facebook or Instagram or, or any social platform get tired of, can you oversell them, overstimulate them, overcontent them? Yeah. And actually, I think that's probably the main reason why that's probably a mistake that you want to do when you actually try to oversell. I think that, you know, people don't necessarily come to Facebook to buy. They come to Amazon to buy. So when you are on Amazon and you're selling your products to Amazon, you are basically talking to intentionists, people who intend to buy already and who are here to spend money. They are looking for a product. It's basically the bottom of your funnel. When you're on Facebook, you are more, you know, at the top of the funnel. You are in, you're talking to people who not necessarily expect to hear about your brand, but they are, you know, browsing the website, reading interesting content, connecting with friends and family. And so if you just come here and basically say, hey, buy my product out of the blue, that, that may not be what they want. But what you can do is basically use the content 
to get their interest, their attention, and see how you know you can learn what people are interested in. You can see how they react to the content that you post, and basically, you know, you can tell your story as a brand. And then this basically introduces the shift I was mentioning earlier, where you basically, instead of just selling the product, you tell your story, you build your brand. And when you start telling the brand, you build defensiveness because people will buy the story. And because they like the story, then they will buy the products. And rather than just saying, hey, I need a pair of scissors or something like that. And so I'll just buy whichever comes first or is recommended by Amazon. So that's what I think. And to answer your question about, can we overstimulate them? Yes, you can. If 100% of your communication on Facebook is about selling the product, I think you will overstimulate them because you will be 100% transactional. But Facebook is not necessarily built that way. However, if you understand that you know, it's all about building the relationship and you, you are fair in your communication and maybe you publish 80% of informational content or you know, tutorials and things that, that have value for the customers or about the brand and maybe 20% of promotional content where you push the products, then you know, you're, you're pretty much safe in terms of, of not overstimulating them. I think one of the issues I've come across that Amazon sellers have when they try to do anything else, whether they try to go to big box retail or specialty retail or go on these other platforms, is they're so used to instant gratification. I put my product on Amazon, I do a couple things, I start to see some sales very quickly. What you're talking about, like you said, building a brand takes time. Obviously, you can reach people. I like what you said about lifestyle moments. You know, obviously, good to hit people. You know, if you're selling, let's say, fishing equipment, good to hit people when they're posting pictures of their fishing trip. But like you said, it's still just information. They see that, oh, that's interesting, but they're not there to click on it and buy it. Although I've been guilty of buying stuff on Facebook at the moment. (laughs) So I know that that happens. I know that it works. So, but yeah, I do think that Amazon sellers have a little bit of impatience part. So what would you say to them as they're trying to move into other platforms? And by the way, can Loomly help people with that? Yeah. Well, first, we're a startup and we sell our products. So we understand this impatience and we are also the ones measuring ROI when we do pretty much anything. So we understand that if when you invest, you know, like, I don't know, like $1,000 on Amazon, in, for instance, in, in ads to push your product up, and then it generates $2,000 in sales for you, that's great because you push the needle and that works. And I understand that, you know, on Facebook, sometimes it works because Facebook is great for consumer products. Sometimes, you know, you need time to refine things and you have to invest more time into building the content and the brand that I was mentioning. And so it can seem like the short term or the instant gratification may not be there. What I think is that, you know, those two things are not contradictory. And I think that, you know, one is great short term at generating uh, business revenue profits. The other one, I think, is better at building, you know, defensiveness and building the brand and acquiring a following and building brand loyalty. So that, you know, even if at some point there is competition on Amazon, people will still prefer to buy your product rather than other products. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, these two things are not necessarily contradictory. and, And I think they actually work pretty well hand in hand. So that's one. And two, can Loomly help you with that? Uh, yes, that's one of the things that we built Loomly for. Loomly helps you craft content for your audience on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and, and Google My Business. And new platforms are, are coming soon. And Loomly also helps you craft ads for Facebook and Instagram so that you can actually preview everything. You can see what your copy is going to look like. You can involve other people in a team and say, hey, what do you think about this ad? What do you think about the copy? Do you like the visual? 
how much should we invest, who should we target and these kind of things. And, and Loomly makes it easier for everyone to actually work together on content or ads before you actually publish it. And then you have everything you need to basically measure how everything is performing. But I think that, you know, Amazon is a fantastic channel. Uh, Facebook is a fantastic channel. Shopify is a fantastic channel. And I think that one thing to keep in mind is that when you do multiply channels, you also basically reduce some dependency. And honestly, if someone comes to us and say, hey, I want to have my entire business on Facebook, I'll say, well, probably you should also take a look at Amazon because, you know, these two things can work together. And so that's where things get interesting is that there is a multiplication of platforms and not putting all your eggs in the same basket is probably a, a wise decision. Sure. A couple more questions on Loomly. Is it a good platform? What if you don't have a team? What if you're the CEO, the marketing manager, all in, in one? Is there a difference between, for instance, Loomly and let's say Buffer or Hootsuite or? Yeah. Yeah, that's a question that we get very often. So what's interesting is that, you know, Buffer and Hootsuite, since you mentioned them, they were built as schedulers. And there are, by the way, there are great solutions. We like them. We know them. There is no hard feeling or, or anything. We were actually, we were integrated with Buffer until very recently, uh, mm-hmm. until November 1st, to be very specific. So there is no, you know, everything is fine. All this to say that, you know, these solutions were built as schedulers. And the idea was that you create your content on your side. And then once you have this content, you go to Buffer, you go to Hootsuite, and you basically, you upload your image, you copy and paste your message, and they will publish it for you. Loomly was built in a very different way. In the very early days of Loomly, when I built the prototype, we were not even offering scheduling features, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. All we were offering was the ability to upload an image, upload a copy, and see how these things will look on Facebook and Twitter and and Instagram and so on. And so that you can actually share it with someone else who can give you some feedback on it. That was basically the core of the product. And so as we've grown, you know, we have added many, many different features, including scheduling. So now you can publish your content from Loomly. But the core aspect of Loomly is how we help you create the content when you don't know what you want to talk about, when actually creating content is not necessarily your job. So we give you ideas. You know that, I don't know, like next week is uh, International Cat Day or it's Thanksgiving <laughs> or these kind of things so that you can anchor your communication into things that are already happening. We also provide you with trends you know, from Twitter and these kind of things so that, again, you don't have to start you know, from a blank slate, but you have these kind of talking points already and you're like, okay, I'm going to explain how people can use my product for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or for whichever things are happening at, at the moment. And that make it more real and make it more easier for you. That's one of the things that we do. We also give you tips to improve your post. And as I mentioned, uh, we help you manage your assets. And now we even have a new integration where you can basically just import images from Unsplash so that you don't even have to scroll the entire World Wide Web to find assets. So all this to say that what Loomly does is it helps you create content from scratch and makes it easier for you. And then if you want to schedule it, of course, you can do it. All right. Well, that sounds cool. So you said so many things that I'm interested in, you know, flip the way, well, you talked a lot about telling your story and I'm a huge fan of that. And, and I talk about it a lot in big box retail, you know, cause everybody that comes to me, they want to go to Costco. You know, I want to sell my product. I want to sell my product to Target. And I say, well, what, what makes you think that you're one ready to do that or two, that they should be interested in your product. What's your story? 
And a lot of times they don't have a story. You know, the product's brand new. I said, well, we got to build a story first. What are you going to tell a buyer? Oh, I just want to be on Costco. I mean, I want to be in Target. We have to tell them, hey, this is where we were. This is our story. This is what we've done. This is who we sell to. And that way they'll have some interest. Another thing you talked about was, which I'm huge on, is building your brand. And, and the way that ties into what I do is big retailers like Target, Costco, they can pretty much go get anything they want, right? They have sourcing people in every country. They can go find and get pretty much anything they want. The one thing they can't get, the one thing I tell my listeners all day long that they need is your company, your brand, your followers, your zealots, your influencers. That's the one thing they can't get their hands on, no matter how many sourcing people they have, but it's the one thing that they really need. And so uh, you're really speaking my language, so, but from a whole different platform. So I, I'm really enjoying it. What's next, man? What's next for Tebow and Loomly? Or Tebow and your next business, what's next? Well, no, for now, you know, we're, we are focusing on building Loomly. Uh, we have tons of things that, you know, we want to keep working on. We want to add more integration so that you can actually connect with even more channels. Actually, we do want to integrate with Amazon ads at some point to actually help you, you know, push your product and do these kind of things. So adding more channels, basically making Loomly the, the standard for marketing collaboration. This is what we want to do. We are also thinking about pretty uh, unconventional and, and I would say disruptive ways to actually help you create content and actually to even, why not, procure you with content that will be original, authentic, and, and high quality. So that's the big vision and, and that should keep us busy for, for at least a couple of years. So <laughs> that's, you know, that's what we are going to work on. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I, I've really enjoyed the information and it's great to meet you. I wish you much success with Loomly and whatever else you, you're getting ready to undertake. Likewise, it was a great pleasure to connect with you and I enjoyed a lot being on this show. It was very interesting and, and very pleasant. All Thank right. you very much. So, yeah, you bet. So I don't know if you know, my listeners are called Big Boxers. So I was going to say Big Boxers. So keep an eye on Loomly. If you want to figure out how to increase your content and sell more, keep an eye on what they're doing because I think that they're on the right path. Listen, Thibaut, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Tim. Big Boxers, we're back. Tebow is gone, but not forgotten, right? I'm sure you guys are all on the computer, on your phone, on your tablet right now, looking up Loomly.com, seeing what's up because he really knows his stuff, right? I wasn't kidding. I wasn't lying about that. And uh, together with his partner, I think they've done some amazing things. And I think that they can do some amazing things for you guys if you want to look into that. So Loomly.com, I'm looking into it myself excited about it. And I really learned a lot and got a lot of great information myself. So I hope that you guys also did as well. Hey, it's also that time. Like I said before, we've been talking about what are you going to do next year, right? What's happening next year? What are you guys going to do with your business next year? If you haven't had a chance to go to my new website, tobconsulting.com, you got to get over there. You got to go check it out. It's not completely finished, but it's up and running. You can schedule right there on the website. You can uh, schedule a coaching call with me, directly with me. And uh, there's all kinds of other things that you can get. You can still get our pricing sheets are on there. And there's some other cool things that we're offering and more things to come. One of the things I for sure want to talk to you about is what are you going to do next year? What's going to be different? How are you going to approach things differently? I know that it's hard. I mean, especially at the holidays, you guys are getting crushed, you're selling, you're trying to take advantage of today is Black Friday and coming up Cyber Monday. So I know you guys are busy. 
But that doesn't mean you can't take some time out to think about what you're going to do next year, where you want to go, where you want your business to be, and how you're going to get there. I'm happy to help with that. All you have to do is go over to tlbconsulting.com and schedule a coaching call. Easy, breezy. Easy as that. Hey, also head over to ontheshelfnow.com. Leave us a comment on uh, this latest podcast, what you thought about Tebow and what he had to say. We'd love to hear from you. Again, you guys know you can always follow us on Twitter, On The Shelf Now. You can hit us up on Facebook, On The Shelf Now. You can join our closed Facebook group, On The Shelf Now. Just type in On The Shelf Now and hit join, and uh, we'll get you in there so you can be part of the ongoing conversation. Listen, again, I hope for all of you that you have a happy, prosperous holiday season and a great new year. You know, the beginning of every year is... It's like sitting along the side of the beach, not the side of the beach, but you know, sitting on the beach, looking at the water as the sun comes up. It just seems new, brand new. And so all kinds of things can happen this year. All kinds of things can come to your business. And I wish that for you. I hope that for you. I pray for all of you that that will happen. All right, folks, until next time, I look forward to seeing your products on the shelf. <music>